Are you ready for the Word of God today? Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I've got some things in my heart. I had some things come uh, that go along with what I have to share coming up over there that, <clears throat> you know what? God can live bigger in you. Jesus Christ can live bigger in you. He's already on the inside of you, but he can take up more space, if you will. He can, you can experience more of Jesus living his life through you. I've been doing some work, my wife and I have with a group of people, number of groups of people, talking about an exchange life. And uh, I'll tell you what, there's an exchange that you've already made if you're born again, but there's more exchange that can take place that maybe you're not even aware of and uh, have never experienced. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit today, but also want to come at it from an angle that, you know, there's a, there's a premise that like an, an, an oak tree, the, 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 the tree itself is contained in the little acorn seed. And it will grow if the barriers for that growth are removed. And, and it's tended to and nurtured. And so what I want to do today is encourage you, bring you some, some things that uh, maybe you thought of, maybe you haven't. But I want to bring some things today that, to bring into your understanding to help you maybe see how you can cooperate with Jesus more effectively to experience his life in a greater measure, tangibly, experientially. Now we're not, Lord, give me more of you. He's, we have all of him there is to have. God do it again. No, he's already done it. We've already been crucified with Christ. We've already been identified with Christ. We've been buried with Christ. We've been raised up, seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Been made more than conquerors through him. Been brought near by the blood of Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We have power and authority in his name to cast out demon spirits and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. All of that belongs to us and it is ours and it's ours for the taking to experience more in a greater measure than what we have. And so I love uh, the testimony that was shared today of uh, Sister Lauren there talking about her testimony of going to Bible school. We, we, we hear those from time to time. And man, what a, I appreciated her vulnerability, her honesty and things on there that she was delivered from. And as I said with the first service, you know what? All of us have been in that same boat, maybe in a different areas of struggles, but all of us prior to coming to Christ, we were sunk. But notice part of her, her testimony is the same it is uh, with a lot of us as well. It's like, I was born again. She was already born again before she came to LBC. Every redemptive truth, every redemptive reality of Christ was hers forever and years. But she didn't know about it, or maybe she did know about it some, but she wasn't walking in it. Similar to my own life, I was taken with a family at age 15 to a camp meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I was filled with the Holy Spirit on July 25th, 1980, 
right? And just my life was changed. There was no music going in my ears. I wasn't watching TV. I didn't, and none of that's all evil. I'm not saying that. I, I was just plugged into God for a week as a 15-year-old sitting with a bunch of adults and kids too, but adults and with about 10,000 people just hearing things that I hadn't heard before about the goodness and the faith of God. And my life has never been the same since. However, because I love playing basketball and I love music, I kept unknowingly to me unrenewing my mind. I remember the friend whose mom, their parents took us to the camp meeting. She'd look, you know, we had a Michael Jackson album. You know, this would be before Thriller. This is like off the wall. I mean, this is way back, brother. Way back. Way back. You don't even know about that, do you, bro? <laughs> you, you, know, you didn't know he made off the wall, did you? Praise the Lord. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, you go, we go, we go, we go. <laughs> and then other stuff I won't mention too, but what, whatever. But, but yeah, I, I just like the music, you know. So then it's like, she's like, uh, you know, the mom's like, you know, you got, what are you boys listening to? You know, you listen to good music? I'm like, yeah, I'm not listening to bad music. It's all love songs. And it's like, we're talking about fornicating, adultery, and everything, you know. Third grade romance. <laughs> Any of y'all country music fans? I didn't listen to that. <laughs> I just remember my sister singing that years ago. Whatever. All right. Praise the Lord. Let me get back on track. <laughs> talking about things that would unrenew our minds, right? And so I would be close to God. I would feel close to God. I would be experiencing his presence. But then there were certain things I would do or not do, right? that would interfere with my fellowship and my experience of him, although everything about what he said about me was true. I was even given a little book when I was 15 years old. Hey, it's called In Him. Take those scriptures and write those down because that's your redemptive realities. That's who you are in Christ. You've been accepted. You've been raised up with Christ. You have, you're more than a conqueror, like we said a while ago. Learn about your identity there. And I did some, but you know what? I was a teenager, and I, and I was well-liked, and I was well-accepted, right? And uh, I'm one of those people that likes to be liked. Now, thank God, in 57 years, I've grown up a little bit more, right? I'm not totally dependent on that, right? Because one thing, if you're going to help people, you're going to be a minister, you're going to be whatever you're going to be, you've got to be able to know that I can only help you to the degree I don't need you. Meaning, I'm not saying arrogantly, but like if I got to get my, met, my need met through you, I might take advantage of you and I might profit at your expense. And I don't believe that's the Lord's will, <laughs> right? So, I want to talk about, <laughs> look at some things in Scripture that might get in the way of us doing that of walking with him. And so let's look, we're going to open up, let's look in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. For time's sake, I'm going to go ahead and begin reading. I believe it's going to be displayed on the screen because I am reading from the Amplified Classic. As, as for the man, I've never <laughs> preached from these verses of Scripture a little different, <laughs> but it brings the point today. As for the man who is a weak believer, welcome him into your fellowship. Notice this. He's writing to spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers, but not to criticize his opinions. 
welcoming, but don't criticize his opinions. Yeah, but his opinions are different than mine. He don't believe what I believe. He's of a different political party. He's from a different region of the country than I am. Do, not to criticize his opinions or pass judgments on his scruples or perplex him with discussions. Here, brother, let me help you grow. Let me teach you. Just talk about all kind of crazy stuff, right, that he don't need to hear, right? One man's faith permits him to believe he may eat anything while a weaker one limits his eating to vegetables. Now, I promise we're not here to talk about what you can eat or not eat, but I want you to listen and pay attention to this here about what's going on on the inside of people's hearts and consciences before God and who to whom are they living and to whom are they seeking approval and acceptance and belonging and finding their significance. Think about that. He's starting it off saying one man's faith permits him to eat anything, another one Limits him just to eat vegetables. Let not him who eats look down on, he's catching an attitude, or despise him who abstains and let not him who abstains criticize and pass judgment on him who eats for God has accepted and welcomed him. He's welcomed them both. Who are you, Paul asked to the believers. Who are you? Well, I'm in Christ. I'm a... I've been raised up with him. Well, why are you passing judgment, right, in this sense? Who are you to pass judgment on and censor, like, shh, another's household servant? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he shall stand and be upheld, for the master, the Lord, is mighty to support him and make him stand. Notice this verse right here. One man's esteem, one man esteems one day as better than another, while another man esteems all days alike sacred. Let everyone be fully convinced or satisfied in his own heart. No, of course that would be true, but he didn't use the word heart. He said, let everyone be fully convinced, satisfied in his own mind. For time's sake, we won't turn there, but you all familiar with the verse, most of you, I would assume. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed, or the way we're not conformed to the world, but the way we are transformed into Christ's likeness is by the renewing of our minds. The renewing of the mind. Let me just throw this in the parable of the sower that can be found, I believe, in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower that sows the seed. It says the seed went into the ground, went into the heart of the people, but Satan came immediately and snatched it away, and other of the seed fell on uh, like very rocky ground, other fell on thorny ground, cares and desires for other things coming in, and some fell on good ground. But the one that fell on good ground, opposite of the other three, said that that person grasped and comprehended the word they heard. And it says they bore fruit 30, 60 and 100 fold. Same seed, same person, 
different types of harvest, same family though. I call that transformation. I call that a parallel of renewing the mind. This one heard the word, went in his heart, that was distracted with other things. This one received it and welcomed it with joy and got excited about it, but there was no root in them, and it just sort of fell away. And, you know, another one, opposition came against them to attack them, right? Back off the word. I'm going to attack you. Back off the word. Right? So you see different temptations coming to try to pull people away from what they're seeking to believe. Like, ah, you're not worthy. You can't do that. You don't belong there. That's all just lies. That's just the devil trying to steal it immediately. And then, and then there's others coming against them, trying to take it, trying to discourage them. You can't, you know, don't walk there. It's too hard. You don't have what it takes. Then the other one, like, well, like, if I can't steal or kill from you there, I'll just destroy you by just giving you everything your flesh wants and, and just living in pleasure, glamour. You're just the, the living the high life. But all of those are conformed to the world. There's only one that's transformed, if you will, from drawing a parallel there, that experienced heaven to earth of the fruit, the manifest power of God coming out of that seed. And that was the one, if you will, I say, there was something that person held on to. It. They grasped it. They comprehended it. In other words, there was something that affected not only their heart, but their mind. And so our lives are changed and they're transformed by the renewing of the mind. I'll say this. Often, all my life, I've heard the different people, and I've even said it myself, you know, I believe it here. Mental ascent, I just need it to drop down here. When's it going to drop down here? You know what happens usually after that? I get into works mode. I go, I go, it, just like Lauren, right? It belonged to her the whole time. She didn't have to work for it. She didn't have to sweat. You, you know, whoo, pray five hours, 18 hours, trying to meditate on something, 23 hours to make it come to pass. It already was hers. But what you and I might can do sometimes, well, you know, I believe it up here. I just need to get a drop in my heart. Okay, I submit to you, maybe we're waiting to feel something or experience something before we believe what God has already said is true about us. Before we believe we already have what we have. Oh, I just need it to drop in my heart. No, I hear you. I've said it a thousand times. I get it. But maybe you're still walking by feelings. Maybe you're just wanting to, well, because I think if I do that, then God would just hit me like a Wednesday night. I love Wednesday nights. I wouldn't trade Wednesday nights for the world. But life's not all about Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights often is like, bam, power of God manifests wisdom. Now, that is an advertisement for what you can have at home. Say that again. That is an advertisement, right, Pastor Bill? Glory to God, I know you believe that. For what you can have at home. What God wants you to have at home. What God wants you to have in the streets. These, these are only examples for you. It's not just to meet your need. This is that you can do this. There's no special ability. Now, yes, there's a call. There's maybe there's some anointing or something. I mean, 
There is. But they're just examples. They were like, God, don't tease me like that. Don't let me see that power manifest and then think, well, if I can get it to drop from my head to my heart, maybe one day I can pray for somebody and they'll be healed. I think we may be walking more by what we feel instead of revelation knowledge that we've grasped and comprehended. Just like when I walked the aisle, July 10th, 1977, as a 12-year-old kid, my head is like my, I'm just, I don't know, just nervous. It's stupid. Right, But I remember getting up there and almost crying. I wasn't crying because the Lord was moving on me. I think I was nervous. But in my heart, I'd already made the decision because I'd, I'd have been born again two years ago. But my mom, you know, did her best growing up in the Bible Belt. Mom, how do you get right with God? Well, you just ask Jesus into your heart. That's it. We never went to church, right? But, uh, but then, so, okay, well, but you don't need to till you're 12. That's the age of accountability, she told me. So I said, okay, I'll wait till I'm 12. Well, Friday, July the, was the 10th. No, Friday was July the 8th. I turned 12. That Sunday, I walked the aisle and responded to the preacher's sermon there, right? And so I'm going up, right? Anyway, so I'm just saying, I didn't respond to that and walk and take that step because of, because of like, oh, he's leading me in my head, right? God deals with us in our heart. So I think we might do ourselves good if we realize, you know what? His seed's already in your heart. His spirit's already in your heart. Every, all the power you need, all the, the guide, the Holy Ghost guide is on the inside of you. The delivering power of God is in you. The fire of God is in you. The one that split the Red Sea, the one that, you know, that called down fire with, what was it, Elijah. That same spirit, not a different spirit, that same spirit is in us. And that same spirit is here to teach us, to reveal the truth to us so that our lives would be transformed and changed, never to go back again, never to change again, never to be the slave of what I used to go to, to sense security, belonging, esteem, status, whatever it might be. Now, I know it might, could sound silly, because I think, Lord God, you're 57 years old. Surely you don't, what you were like at 15 or 16 don't affect you anymore, does it? Not really, not now. But through the years, I had to grow out of some of that. Why? Because I was voted class favorite all the time, you know? And, and, and that's all I'll say, just other things, too, I could go on about. You get used to people liking you and all that, you know? And it's like, well, I want you to accept me. I want to be like. I didn't think that. But somewhere it was in there, right? How would I know it's in there? Well, what are your friends doing? What are they listening to? What are they saying? You sharing the gospel any? Well, I don't know. I'll just wait till I'm led. I'll just wait, I'll just wait for the, the opportunity to open. Well, maybe there was some fear there. Maybe there was a, well, I might not belong. You might laugh at me. You might scorn me. You might not accept me. You may not even believe what I'm saying. What does that have to do with what Jesus said? Nothing. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Him that believes will be born again, have a radical transformation. Him that, not, that won't, he won't be bothered with it. The hell awaits. 
Well, I said I was going to share some things that, uh, praise the Lord, <laughs> that get in our way. That's all right. Renewing the mind. Let me go to verse 10 of that same chapter real quick. And I'll just, he goes on and he says, actually I should read verse 7 and then we'll go to 10. Paul says, none of us lives to himself but to the Lord. And none of us dies to himself but to the Lord. So when we're talking about an exchange life, we're talking about living more like Christ. Not even, let me rephrase that. I don't want to say that. That's not right. Living more like Christ. No, Christ is in you. He wants to live his life in you. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, it's no longer I that lives. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? It's not even me living anymore. But it's Christ that liveth in me. He lives in me. That's Galatians 2.20. Philippians 1.21 says, for to me to live is Christ. Verse 10, actually, let me, let me, we're going to come back to 10. Look down in, at the, the second half of verse 22. Again, I'm reading from the Amplified. This is Romans 14, verse 22, the second part, and then I'm going to read through verse 23. Blessed, happy, to be envied is he who has no reason to judge himself for what he approves, who does not convict himself by what he chooses to do. Read the whole chapter and you'll understand what he's saying. (laughs) But the man who has doubts, misgivings, and uneasy conscience about eating and then eats, perhaps because of you. In other words, this is somebody that believes one thing with their heart, but they're doing another one based on something tugging and pulling on their soul. Well, I, you're, you're not eating, or you are eating everything, so I'm going to go ahead and eat. When the Lord already told him, this ain't not that big of a deal whether you eat or not eat. It's all good, but like if that's what you believe and that's what you think, it says that literally in there. If you read the whole chapter, there's a verse in there that says like, it's not wrong to eat any of that, but to the one that believes it's wrong and thinks it's wrong, to him it's wrong. Why? Because he's overriding his heart. He's violating his conscience. And so this verse of scripture goes on and says, that brother then eats perhaps because of you, says he stands condemned before God because he is not true to his convictions and he does not act from faith. For whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. Whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God is sinful. We're going to look at some things in just a little bit. We're going to go back to verse 10 in just a second before, though. About any time you and I are, are, are seeking to find our acceptance, our belonging, our significance, our value, our importance, anything that we're not able to do in faith, right? We're not walking with the Holy Spirit. He's not going to manifest. 
He's not going to show up in a greater way. We're not going to experience more of that transformation. We have to, without a feeling perhaps, by grace, through faith, act upon the word he says is true for us, live unto God from our heart, follow his spirit in our spirit, follow our conscience, and live with a clear heart and a pure conscience unto God from our heart. Just like I did that day, July 10, 1977, walk in the aisle that began the transformation process. That began God's work more tangibly in my life. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that relates to how do we experience and exchange life. But let's go back to this for a moment. Verse 10 says, why do you criticize and pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you look down or despise your brother? I like to stop at times when I read questions like that and like, okay, what's the answer? <laughs> why? Do you know what often Christians will do? Well, that's just wrong. I don't need to do that. That's bad. I'll just stop that. Okay, amen, I agree. Go for it. But if that's all we do and we never know why we're doing what we're doing sometimes, and sometimes the answer is just sin, depending on what it is. But I'll tell you this, especially as a, 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 a growing into an, a more mature man, I won't say old, old man, but <laughs> at least not while you're around. <laughs> too, com too competitive, <laughs> What was I saying? <laughs> you got me nervous. No, I'm joking. Is it when you're a young man, you know, sometimes like you're, you're, you're tempted by everything that's with glitter and glamour and, and all the bells and whistles, like your flash is just, Ugh. but as an older man, right, you're tempted more by things that are meaningful, right? Things to where, oh, I sense belonging here. I sense security here. I sense comfort here, right? So it's like as an older man and then as a person married for 28 years, going on 29, right? To this mm, pretty young thing right over here, right? Southern California. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Still the one. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. That was my brother's album. <laughs> I was eight years older. Okay. Man, Jesus, what was I saying? <laughs> what was I saying, Christy? <laughs> yeah, when you're older, right? So I've learned through the years, like I shared, when you guys got ordained that night, saying yes got you here, but it's what you say no to that will keep you here, right? So just realizing what, what, um, what might keep us from experiencing more him. So they ask, why did you criticize and pass judgment on your brother? Why do you look down? Why would somebody do that? People do that not just simply because they disagree. 
they might be that surfacey, like, oh, that's just stupid. But sometimes people criticize and look down on other people because it's like, that's, that's just not right. And if I agree with you, I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to feel wrong. And then I won't feel like I belong. I try to get my need for esteem sometimes by being one up above you. For time's sake, we're not going to look, but I'm just going to quote it, okay? If you looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15 and 21, you would see a, a church, tongue-talking believers that Paul's right into about the gifts of the Spirit. They're flowing like crazy in their church. Miracles galore, etc. And he says to one of them, uh, in the Passion Translation, it says in verse 15 that some of those people... He's using them as an illustration of a body part. You know, can the eye or can the foot say, because I'm not the eye, I don't belong or I don't have a part? Sometimes there's something on the inside of born again believers that they still have the struggle. I believe this, but doggone it, I still feel this way. I don't feel a part. And that's what that verse says I don't have a part. Because I'm not this, I don't have a part. You know what that is? That's comparison. That's not the standard of Christ. On the other hand, in verse 21, there was other ones that said, because I am the eye or I am the hand, said, I have no need of thee, right? So in other words, my sufficiency is of me. Very self-independent, very self-sufficient. We don't need you. We got this. We got this. You got this. We got this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Full of pride, Right? Neither one of those are the character of Christ. But this would be reasons why, beginning to see, why would people criticize, right? Let's look quickly before we run out of time. Galatians chapter 2. I love this example. Galatians 2, verse 11. This is Peter. Everybody knows Peter, right? Everybody knows the Apostle Peter, walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, lived with Jesus, ate with him, right? Denied him, was called back to him. Thank God for the mercy of God. We all need it. We all benefit from it. Still need it. Still a man in need of a Savior. And then we see in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaching a mighty message to 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost, quoting from the book of Joel, Right, We see in Acts chapter 4, we see him there with the, the church praying. and says the whole place was shaken together as they prayed for those in their company. Acts chapter 5, I believe it is, where Ananias and Sapphira lied about the offering. Right, And Peter was there and then said, why do you want to lie to the Holy Ghost and do this? And they fell dead. Right, Signs, wonders, and mighty miracles going on in his life. Acts chapter 8, I believe that was where the sorcerer said, oh man, this is cool. I see you guys getting people filled with the Holy Spirit. You're laying your hands on them. They're speaking with other tongues. I've been into spiritual stuff a long time. Give, let me give you some money so I can do that. And he said, your money perish with you, you wicked thing, whatever he said to him. But he rebuked him, right? Powerful man of God, right? Bold in the Lord, right? And then Acts chapter 10, there he's minding his own business. He's on the rooftop. And then the Lord, right, gives him, a, he falls into a trance. He gets a vision, right, of these uh, these three things coming right down from heaven. And, and the, the, the essence of the message is, you know what, Peter? The Gentiles are accepted, 
He gave them a message of these different things that they wouldn't normally eat, right? We talked about eating earlier. All these different animals that, that for a Jew, was, was not acceptable to eat. And, and then he's drawing a parallel, saying the Gentiles, it, they've, they've been, they belong into this covenant as well. Jesus died for them. So he, it, it happened three times. God got the message over to him, and he even went and preached. And it says he preached down in Cornelius' house, and it says, and as he spoke the word, the Holy Ghost fell, it said, right? In Acts 11, 15, I believe. And then in Acts 12, he's in prison, and then there's an angel that appears to him, pokes him on the side, comes up, you know, lets him out, takes him back to the house where they were praying for him. Mighty man of God, right? Just building up this picture here. Sanctified, used of God, Knows Jesus, lived and walked and talked with him. But Paul's about to call him out. And I ask you, hmm, what was going on in Peter's life that day? Was it just like, oh, his flesh got the best of him. He just yielded to temptation. Just like a 14-year-old. Real simple. Was it that or was it something to do with maybe his feeling, hmm, we'll read it in a minute. But I'm gonna, did, did, was he living un, his life unto Christ at that moment or was there something going on in his soul to where he's like, hmm, if I, I guess I better read her. I'm going to go on and tell the story. All right, Galatians 2.11, but when Peter came to Antioch, I protested and opposed him to his face concerning his conduct there, for he was blamable and stood condemned. For up to that time, that certain persons came from James. He ate his meals with the Gentiles. But when the men from Jerusalem arrived, he withdrew and held himself aloof from the Gentiles. And ate separately for fear, for fear of those of the circumcision. The Passion Translation says, he withdrew from his Gentiles' friends, fearing how it would look to them if he ate with Gentile believers. Now, what would you think? For one, I would say, I know sometimes, I don't know about these other guys, I'd like to talk with a lot of you, a lot more. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, we're like running, going, and passing people. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know who you are. It's like, I'd like to talk to you and say hello. So pray for me. <laughs> I read that and I think about this stuff. But I'm just saying, what if we hung out, right, for a while? Oh, we hung out for, what, the conference is in a week, right? We hung out. You helped get some things ready or whatever, and we just talked got into some of these things we're talking about. And then when it came time about, you know, Tuesday, you weren't able to attend on Sunday or Monday, but then Tuesday you come up, and like I, I act all aloof. I like with, just withdraw, like I don't even hardly know you. Because I'm, because the guest minister's here. I mean, we all, all respect to the guest minister, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to make some stupid illustration, right? <laughs> Something that wouldn't make any sense. But similar to what Peter did. Oh, I just want to be viewed in a certain way. I don't have time to talk to you right now because I want to be over here. I want to be over here with them. I want to get real close. Well, truth be told, you really want the anointing on their life. It's not necessarily their flesh and who they are. I promise you that. 
But anyway, that wouldn't work out too well, would it? That's what Peter did. That's what Peter did. So, we're talking about what gets in the way. How come Christ wasn't manifest in his life right then? Because at that moment, there was something going over in his soul that I'm either going to turn toward my Gentile friends and I'm going to keep sitting here like, come on, brother, you want some of this? Or I'm going to turn away, right? Undo that. He turned away. Whatever was going on in his mind and in his soul, his mind, his will, and his emotions, it was not being prompted by the Holy Spirit. No way. Paul, on the other hand, who talked about how, you know what? In, in Philippians 3, it'd do you well to read that. Philippians 3, 3 through 9, he goes through this big list of everything, what he used to be as Saul, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, blameless, untouchable, right? Above his fellows, outstudied them all, so to speak. Man's man, if you will. And he says, you know what? After I came to Christ, all those old things, old things have passed away. Everything's become new. All the things, he uses those words in Philippians 3, all those things I don't put my trust in anymore. I count them as just rubbish. So in other words, because he had practiced that and had his soul in shape, if you will, and ready, he's of the opinion, you know what? I'm not conferring with flesh and blood. The Lord Jesus himself appeared to me. I don't need your permission to go preach this gospel to the Gentiles. I know whom I have believed and my trust is in him no matter who's standing before me. So in his soul, he's not going to be tempted to the degree Peter was. See, Peter, Peter liked to be liked. He was an outgoing people person. But Paul is like, if he feels, if he feels a little pull, like, oh, what are they going to think? It's like, whatever. I'm living before the Lord. I'm not living before you. Right? That's how he, in this place, that's how he continued to live an exchange life. It's no longer I, but it's Christ in me. And that's how Peter in that moment, whose actions led Barnabas astray, he used to travel with Paul, that led him astray. He got involved in it too. He was a people person. Oh, come on, John Mark, poor you, Paul picking on you. Come on, bud, we'll help you. It's people, people. That's me. Sorry. Why do you think I'm preaching this? <laughs> no, that's why you know, you know about that. <clears throat> At that moment, Paul didn't live the exchange life. He lived an exchange lie. And it didn't work out too good, right? It didn't edify the people. It didn't edify the body. It hurt those guys. Like, what are you doing? You walked with Jesus. Now you're like, oh, What? All right, whatever. Throw your tapes away, your CDs, whatever. <laughs> Ain't listening to you no more. You're all talking no do, right? All show, right? So that's not what we're wanting to do. Why would people do that? Let's take the last 
few minutes and look at some slides. I've got a bunch of slides up here. We've used some of these in our life group that we've been doing. So just so you know, I'm not planning on reading everything. We don't have time for that. Well, I'm going to cover every slide. So don't feel like, oh, God, you didn't show them all. <laughs> I feel cheated. No. Um, all right, Joseph, you, you can just pull up, pull up the ones like, uh, just pull them up and I'll tell you to go, tell you like where to go. Just, just go to about 10 or so. Go across 10 slides. All right, just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. All right, we'll stop there. All right, this is one here. You remember, remember Martha and Mary, right? Martha was very diligent. There's nothing wrong with diligence. Martha always gets a bad rap, right? She was doing good. And she's just like, hey, you need to do one thing today. Maybe tomorrow or yesterday, you'd be fine. But right now, you just need to do one thing. Right, and that is to sit with me, to sit at my feet, right? And so Martha, right, she was, she was a doer. She wasn't a dreamer. She was less of a dreamer, more of a doer. Thank God I'm married to one of those. Help me. Whew, praise the Lord. Man, Lord God, I probably wouldn't even, who knows? <clears throat> praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mercy, mercy on her. <laughs> now, I'm not saying every doer has these kind of thoughts, but sometimes there's things going on in our souls, our minds that need to be renewed, and we're not recognizing it that, oh, the devil didn't tell me, go hurt yourself or go do this or go do that. He didn't say that. But no, this is like a system of evaluation. Let me, you remember when Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, he says, we now no longer judge or know any man, any person after the flesh. We used to know Christ that way, but not anymore. He's like, we no longer use that system of evaluation. And so people are always evaluating. Our, we're always evaluating ourselves, always sort of checking, you know, just going to look right, just going to look bad in, in the right situation. Anyway, right here, this person, right, might struggle with inadequacy, where another one might struggle with inferiority or insecurity, right? Inferiority would be, ah, I don't have any worth. I don't have much value. I'm not wanted. Insecurity might be, I don't belong. I'm not really a part. I'm unloved. This here is like, am I adequate? Do I have enough expertise in an area? Do I have significance, respect? Do I do things right? Here it says, I do not accept second best. I must be the best at most of what I do. I feel like nothing I do is ever quite good enough. I strive to keep everything in perfect order. I need to look my best at all times. I don't have time to relax because I have so much to accomplish. I push myself so hard that my personal relationships suffer. You read any Olympic athlete, Kobe Bryant, any NBA player, they're pretty much gonna do that stuff. And at the right place on the court, man, go for it. But when it comes to home life and your personal life, you got to realize that's not the Spirit of God driving you all the time like it was Martha that day. That's what I think. Man, Jesus, why are you saying that to her? She's just, I mean, at least somebody's cleaning up. She's in there just, oh, God, it's just worshiping, just a mess, you know, <laughs> just a slob, just messy, you know. Look in that closet. <laughs> 
No condemnation. I'm just messing around, all right? <laughs> but you would say, remember that verse of Scripture we read in Romans one ago? Who are you? Why do you criticize your brother? Why do you criticize your sister? Let me ask you, why would Martha criticize Mary? Dreamer? She'd get up here and do something, right? Over there, love you, Lord. If you love him, you're going to show him by helping me. Right? 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 There's, There's some truth in that. So I encourage all the Marthas, please continue to be diligent. Do, 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 do. Continue to do, right? But do unto the Lord. And, and continue to be diligent, but know when it's time to do and when it's time to just be with him. And it's okay, right? You don't have to be driven on that, right? All right. Go forward or backwards. Let's see. We'll see if we find some. Okay, go again. Let's look at this. Um, yeah, let's look at this one. Inferiority. If others really knew me, they couldn't love me. But there's probably people in this room right day, today that think this, or at least are tempted to think this, have the feelings of that. Um, because I'm inherently flawed and defective, I'm not worthy of love. I have secrets that I will not share, even with the people closest to me. I'm blamed for my parents being unable to love me. All right, go to the next one, Joseph. This will be the last one for time's sake. Social isolation and alienation, insecurity. I feel very awkward in social situations. I don't know what to say. I feel dull and boring. I feel like people I want as friends are above me. I would prefer to avoid rather than attend most social gatherings. I don't feel like I'm a belong. I'm a loner. I feel like I'm on the outside of groups. Even when I'm in a crowd, I feel alone. Right? Is what somebody might feel. They might feel that way because they feel different. And some may even be proudful of that difference. Like, oh, didn't really fit in as a kid, super intellectual, and just played inside all the time, and super smart, and make tons of money, and I sort of like it. That can work. But what's the source, what's the center of your life? Is Jesus and his love for you the center of life, or is it just our accomplishments, right? Others might feel socially isolated, because, like, I don't feel accepted. I feel rejected. I feel defective, so I won't approach. I'm too anxious to do that. But this is where we can live and exchange life, not by waiting for something to drop from our head to our heart, but say, Lord God, this church I go to, they teach me all the time about redemptive realities and the truths of who I am in Christ. I can start, regardless of what I feel, regardless of what my head says. I don't have to live under this world system to, to find my acceptance, my significance, right, my belonging, I can go to you. And as, and as I go to you and live my life unto you, by grace, through faith, I will experience your Holy Spirit continue to transform me, and I'll spend time with you, and you'll minister to me, and I'll get with your other brothers and sisters, and they won't do crazy, flaky things like Peter did that day. They'll be work hard and they'll be nice, right? And they'll fellowship. Because in them, they're doing the same thing. And they're, they're able to just be comfortable with one another, right? And accept one another. And like we read in Romans 14, not criticize or judge, but like, okay, do what you're doing. If you want to eat that, fine. I'm going to order this. 
and live unto the Lord. Amen? God wants to live bigger in your life. Christ, no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in you. I encourage you, continue as I will myself. Always press on to know who you are in Christ, but more importantly, know who he is in you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can he do all things through you, right? He can as we yield to him. Father, we thank you so much for your time for this, uh, with one another, for your word and your Holy Spirit today. Lord, thank you for divine changes here in Jesus' name.